Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. This is the first episode of the 2022 season and I'm super excited to share this chat with you. This episode is actually the first part of a two-part series that I'm going to be releasing on the topic of charitable giving. And I decided to tackle this topic because I found over the last year that when I've been working with clients to do their estate planning, I've been getting so many questions about charitable giving. People are really starting to turn their minds towards gifts in lifetime and gifts in death. And, and there's often a great difficulty in deciding, well, how do I pick a charity? What happens once I've picked a charity? And how does that translate into an ultimate gift? And although tax benefits are certainly part of the conversation, that's often not what starts the conversation. And so today's uh, podcast is with Lisa, and Lisa is with the Royal University Hospital Foundation here in Saskatoon. Uh, but she's talking a bit broader. She's talking about charitable giving generally, and she gives some amazing tips on how to figure out what charity that you want to benefit. And then she also gives some suggestions for picking up the phone and calling the charity and some things you might want to ask them to help figure out how to deal with your donation or different ways that you can donate. When we hear the word donation, we always think cash, but it doesn't have to be cash. Sometimes it's donating your time. Sometimes it's your expertise. Sometimes it's helping others or inspiring others to donate. So there's so many different ways that this can happen. And Lisa runs through all of those different options. And then we end our chat today with a discussion about a program that's really close to my heart. And that program is the Women Leading Philanthropy Program uh, here in Saskatoon. And it's a program I've been a part of um, since its inception. And I'm very proud to say that I'm a part of this program. Think of it like I say, Dragon's Den. Um, that's what it is, except you know, you all get to be dragons. Um, so we get to sit there and hear these female physicians pitch amazing research projects that will be conducted right here in our province for the benefit of women's health. And we get to choose one to fund and everyone pools their money together um, to fund these projects. And so I've asked Lisa to give us a little bit of an overview about the project and how you can get involved. Um, it is a really, really wonderful opportunity uh, available to women here um, in Saskatoon. So without further ado, um, a little bit about Lisa, uh, my guest today. And so I actually only had met Lisa a couple months ago when I started down this journey. I had seen her name on a lot of the women leading philanthropy documents, but had never met her in person yet. And she is quite lovely. Uh, Lisa is the Chief Development Officer at the Royal University Hospital Foundation, and she proudly leads this team, and, and they share her passion for raising funds to support healthcare priorities at RUH. And I think you'll see that her passion really comes through um, in this conversation. Uh, Lisa holds a certificate in business administration through the University of Saskatchewan, and she is also an active member of both the Association of Fundraising Professionals and the Saskatoon Society of Fundraising executives, and she'd actually served on that board until 2020. Lisa was born and raised in Saskatoon, and she enjoys music and spending time with her son uh, and her husband at their cabin at Emma Lake. So without further ado, on to my chat with Lisa.
Well, Lisa, I'm so excited to have you here uh, today on the podcast. Uh, you and I had first met now, I guess, about a month or so ago, but I had seen your name popping up on some of the uh, RUH materials or, or Royal University Hospital Foundation materials that I'd had in my office. And it's just been such a pleasure getting to know you and hearing more about charitable giving from the perspective of somebody who's working in a foundation. And so I am so grateful that you have taken time out of your schedule today to talk about this very interesting topic of charitable giving. So welcome to the podcast and thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm just so excited to have a conversation. So I gave you a bit of a heads up. I've been asking all of my guests the same two questions. And since we haven't had an opportunity to talk about these things, I would like to hear your answers. And so the first question is, what is your favorite podcast or what's the last podcast that you've listened to? Well, thank you for asking. I uh, This is maybe a shameless plug for one of my co-workers, but uh, the most recent podcast that I listened to was I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. Um, Lisa is one of my colleagues at the foundation, and uh, the podcast is really about two funny women in their 50s, um, you know, having some of the best conversations about what happens on a daily basis in their life. And uh, the it's, it's quite interesting because I will, when I'm listening, I will often uh, hear uh, about some of the conversations that might have happened at work that day. And that's what the jumping off point is during their podcast. And I enjoy, I enjoy, it's very light. It's like a Seinfeld um, type of uh, a podcast where, you know, they're talking lots about nothing, about daily um, activity, things that happen in their life. And uh, they, the odd time I hear a little something that I know that I was involved in. So it's it's quite light. And it was the most recent one that I listened to. And it really does, uh, uh, you know, sort of make my make my day and, and sometimes a nice uh, way to end a uh, stressful, stressful day. Well, see, this is why I asked that question, because I have learned about so many podcasts that I did not know about. I have not heard of this. And it sounds like it's like a local podcast, which is all the more reason that I should be listening to it. So we will put this information in the show notes and I'm going to check this one out because I do love an easy listen podcast that you can listen to before bed or if you're like doing the dishes that gives you a little giggle, but isn't something that you feel like you have to like work when you're trying to trying to listen to it. So, oh, that's exciting. All right. It's lots of fun. Well, and then the other question is, what is the emoji that you use most often when you're texting? I actually did take a moment to kind of flip through my text to say, <laughs> oh, what? what is the one I use the most? And here's, here's two. One is definitely the thumbs up. But I, I feel like a lot of people use it. And I, I, like, I feel like it's a common response in your, in your podcast, the thumbs up. And I think it's mostly to sign off a conversation. I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people that I am having a conversation with, or, or often, um, they want to have the last word. And you kind of never know when the conversation is ended. And I feel like that is a feel-good, quick, positive way to say, okay, we're done talking. All is good. You know, it's like saying, great, cool, awesome, sounds good, perfect, we're done. And uh, so I use that one quite a bit and I, I didn't realize it till I kind of flipped through my phone. However, <laughs> if it is summertime, oh. I happen to use the happy face with sunglasses a lot. And I, I feel like the meaning is, you know, relax, kick back, enjoy the weather, vacation, 
Um, and it just re represents uh, kind of my happy place at the time. So uh, that will be often how I end a conversation with uh, someone during the summer. And I, I've been, I've subscribed to a newsletter the last couple of months. Marty Finestone has this newsletter called With Less. He's a lawyer out of Waterloo, um, Ontario. If you're listening to this uh, podcast, check out Marty's newsletter because it's just, it's like the highlight of my week when it comes in my inbox. And one of the things that popped up in his newsletter was this article about emoji use around the world. And how you have to be very careful when you're in other countries because something that seems very innocuous in Canada is very offensive in a different country. It was fascinating. It was a really good article and how how people really do attach meaning to these little symbols um, and how that that engages us and how that creates different communication styles. So. I don't know. Very interesting. Good to know. <laughs> Thank you. So we were going to tackle a couple of topics today. And I, I mean, we I said to you that the reason why I reached out to your group is is not only because I've been a longtime member since the beginning of, of Women Leading Philanthropy, which we'll talk about later, but also because I was getting so many questions from clients over the last year about charitable giving. And not so much about, you know, what are the tax consequences of charitable giving, which we can always talk about, but more about, I want to give to a charity, but I don't really know what that looks like. And I don't really know how to choose one and just feeling very overwhelmed by that whole process. And so I thought, well, let's talk about that because I, I feel like I have these individual conversations with all of my clients and I'm saying the same thing. So let's, let's put it on a podcast and share it with the broader group. And you so graciously agreed to come on and have this discussion. And so we were going to try to tackle three things. And so the first thing we were going to tackle is kind of a, a top five list or a top three list, however long we have to get through it, of, of things that people should keep in mind about charitable giving. And then we were going to talk a bit about the process for charitable giving. And so, of course, you can provide the process based on your work with the uh, RUH Foundation. But just generally, you know, if you're giving before death or you're giving after death, what does it look like? What are some things to keep in mind? And then finally, we were going to close off by talking a bit about the Women Leading Philanthropy Program um, in Saskatoon here um, that I am super passionate about, and I know you are as well. A lot of my listeners are are in Saskatoon, and so I'm, I'm hoping to spread the word, and we want as many members as we can. So we'll kind of finish off by having a bit of a discussion about, about WLP. So should we dive right in to your, your top five list? Okay, Absolutely. well, I'm going to pass it over to you. I'm going to stop talking for five seconds here. Pass it over to you and have you give us some tips of things people need to keep in mind with charitable giving. Well, thanks, Amanda. This is a really exciting topic for, for me and uh, for our foundation because we often, uh, you know, one thing we found out that it, it's shocking to learn that two-thirds of people who make donations do not research that before giving. And so this is a tremendous opportunity, I guess, to, to talk about things that you, you should consider. And, um, you know, I, I think we talked about a top five. I might have a couple more, but we'll, we'll see what sort of time we have. But I think uh, I kind of have my, um, you know, W5 uh, list, and I like to call it. And I think the first place to start, and it, it may not be particularly in this order, but, you know, the first place to start is who do you want to donate to? And, and I think, um, you know, there's no shortage of charities uh, in this country to, to donate, to register charities to donate to. There's 85,000. And so, you know, where do you start? And uh, I think donors, uh, it's important to, to 
you know, really think about what cause aligns with your personal passion, your values, your interests. And, and that might be, you want to eliminate hunger, you want to improve healthcare, you want to support, you know, research, you want to uh, support the care for abandoned or neglected neglected animals, you want to help kids read, you know, you just want to consider, um, you know, what things are personally important to you. And I I know we've talked a little bit, and we'll get a little bit more into that uh, perhaps later, but whether you're giving in your lifetime or through, um, you know, a planned gift, a gift in your will, really think about uh, what what is truly important to you. And, uh, And the other thing is, is how your donation will create real impact. And I think those are really, you know, that's kind of the first place to start. And, um, you know, the next thing is, is, you know, in what way do you want to donate? And this is, this also brings us back to, you know, are you giving in your lifetime? Are you giving after death? But um, there's lots of ways to give. And, you know, whether it could be even your time, Uh, you know, a volunteer, you might want to give, uh, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you do have the funds to give. But you might want to give up your time. And, and uh, one thing we do learn is most volunteers also make a financial uh, contribution, but it's certainly not a, a prerequisite in many cases. Um, a lot of people donate their professional skills. So, you know, you may not have uh, a particular, you may not have the funds to do or you may not choose to give a donation, but you have some real skills that the foundation or the charity can, can benefit from. You might want to make a, you know, a donation or sponsor. Another way is inspiring others. And so you have the ability to motivate and encourage others to give. And that's another way that charities can benefit from your support. Or, or uh, and I did note, uh, all of the above, <laughs> which we have many people that are giving that way. Um, I really like that how you started this off because when I find clients come to me, they want, they're trying to come up with like names of charities. And that's where they start. And I say, well, no, 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 go take a step back. What is the causes that are important to you? Once we figure out those causes, then we can look and see what charities are available within that cause. So that's a really wonderful way to take that step back. And I love your listing of different ways to donate because it is more than just about monetary contributions. There's so many ways to contribute to charitable organizations. So that's a fabulous list. Okay, we're off to a good start. Keep going. Okay. Well, consider where you want the money to go. So, and I mean, just sort of generally, like, do you want, when you're, when you're narrowing down, um, you know, where, where you want the money to go? Do you want it to go locally, like to a grassroots charity? Do you want to be able to see the benefit rate in your community? Perhaps a national charity might be uh, a choice that you select. And, um, but sometimes those national charities also, if you're giving, uh, for instance, in Saskatchewan, they they will ensure that uh, the benefit is seen right in the province. So it doesn't necessarily go to a head office, a corporate office in Canada, and um, you know they um, wherever that province is benefits from your gift uh, that's received from Saskatchewan. But it really is, uh, you know, you may want to ask, will you know, will the money that I give to this national charity stay in the province? if that's important to you. And I, I, I just encourage people to think about that. Also global, uh, you know, there's certainly um, options that uh, if you're giving globally, sometimes that donation can go much further. So you might be able to, you know, a, a, you know, a $50 donation 
per month might be able to feed a family for for a year, like or not, probably not likely, but you know it may have a bigger impact because of where you're making or where those funds are being directed. So the the option of a global um, charity is something that a person can also consider in that mix. And you know you mentioned oh sorry uh, you mentioned no, right earlier um, about you know a lot of your clients are asking about timing and. You know, it's very interesting uh, that uh, at, at uh, the end of the year in December, um, and I know that's a little, you know, a few weeks ago, but the end of December, um, one third of annual giving to charities happens. And so a lot of people make their decision at the end of the year and with 12% happening in the last three days of the year. So a lot of people are making their uh, year in gifts and whether that's, uh, you know, a one-time gift or, or perhaps they're choosing at that point to make a commitment for the upcoming year. But it really is when the donor decides that it's best for them. And so while people give throughout the year, we do see increased giving uh, at a very charitable time, uh, often for people at the end of the year. I hadn't realized that there was a bit of a pattern of that. And I, I guess now that I think about it, that is when I tend to get the most of my questions is towards the end of the calendar year as well. So I think a lot of times that's when people know if they have excess income or they're doing some of their tax planning for the upcoming year. And so that's when gets kind of people percolating a little bit about, about these discussions. So very interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, it's also I encourage people um, to do their homework, if they're ma- particularly if they're making a substantial gift, do their homework about the charity once it's selected. So, um, you know, are they, how are they going to use the money? Um, you know, is their cost of fundraising at a reasonable rate? So, you know, Canadian Revenue Agency uh, has uh, identified uh, an acceptable level of cost of fundraising at being under 35%. So, you know, uh, which many are much below that, but, uh, and it also depends. Uh, there's lots of things that can skew that number depending on what revenue is for that year and, and, and things, but that is a generally accepted level if it's under that. But, you know, I, I kind of say, uh, do your homework there because if you're not comfortable with how much of your money is actually going towards uh, your the cause and um, the mission of the uh, charity, I, I just uh, I encourage you to ask questions and think about that. You know, that's an important piece to, to keep in mind. And uh, we just say to people, you know, it, it's sort of donor beware. You know, you make sure that the charity is reputable, make sure that the person that's representing the charity is is actually indeed that uh, a reputable person. And, you know, it could be a telemarketer calling that really isn't uh, from the charity and, you know, trying to scam you or it could be even a campus or coming to your door that really isn't fundraising. Well, and, and if people wanted to do this homework, I mean, where do you suggest that they start? Because I know when I'm working with clients, I'll often go to the, the CRA Charities Registry website to, number one, find out if this is a registered charity and if they're if they're suspended or if there's any sort of issues happening. And, and then it often gives information on their finances and stuff. What would you suggest for the average person that's looking into this? You could absolutely go there. Um, that we, we as a foundation even uh, uh, reach out and, and investigate some some information from from CRA related to 
um, you know, making sure, first of all, that everything is accurate as far as our own charity, but others. But I also, you know, for average person would encourage you to go online to their website. Often charities will have information about how their money is being used, but also their financials, like their annual report may be on there that includes financials, where you can really have a look at uh, how that money is being used and if they are, uh, in your opinion, uh, stewarding donor dollars in an appropriate way. That, that's a great idea because I think there's a lot of information we can glean online now and it's available to everyone. Um, and I, I know also that I've, I've had some clients who just are struggling and I said, why don't you pick up the phone and phone um, and, and talk to somebody uh, at the organization and ask the questions and see how you feel about the answers that you're getting. Because I think sometimes to have that, that touch point and say to someone, I want to donate, but I don't know how, what are my options? And to, to get someone to talk to you about that can be quite helpful. I'm glad you brought that up, Amanda, because I think we welcome calls. There's nothing more exciting uh, for us at the foundation is to be able to have that conversation pre-donation and learning about a donor, what, you know, what is motivating them to make this donation? And so whether it is, you know, they, they want to help the cause, they want to find out how, how they can do that. They might be simply looking for a tax benefit. Look, I, it's the end of the year. I need, need to make a donation. This is what I want to do. Please give it to the area of greatest need. They might be doing it for recognition. And so, you know, I really want my name to be, for example, on the outside of a room or I want to, you know, people to come in uh, to this organization and be able to see that uh, my my family has made this donation that, that we're supporting. And so it really is about the recognition and maybe promotion of their, their themselves or their business. We're all motivated for different reasons to make a gift to charity, but I do 100% support picking up the phone or emailing or just connecting with the charity to have that conversation. Well, and that maybe is a nice segue to our second topic because the, the second thing we wanted to talk about a bit is the process for charitable giving. And so I think sometimes once people have decided, okay, I want to support this charity or this group of three charities, then they get stuck again and go, okay, how do I do that? And so let's talk a little bit about what you do once you've chosen your charity or your charities. Well, absolutely. And, you know, you, uh, I think you, this is sort of a, a pre-gift leading up to that. You might have, um, you know, sort of been proactive and researching the charity that you want to give to, um, you know, you've done your homework, you've called them, maybe online, maybe you've decided to, okay, it's your end. I got to make a, a, a charitable donation for tax purposes. You've initiated a short uh, transfer. Or you could possibly be responding to um, uh, some sort of um, gift solicitation. Um, and what, what I mean by that is maybe you've talked to some, maybe someone has actually picked up the phone, it could be a telemarketer, it could be um, a uh, representative from a charity just calling and saying, this is what we're trying to do. Would you be interested in supporting the cause? It, but it, there's other ways to to get um, information and actually receive an invitation to, to make a donation. And it could be um, a letter. You could be getting a letter in the mail. You might be invited to join an event. 
you might be invited to purchase a lottery ticket, a social media or online ask, or supporting a program like Women Leading Philanthropy, which you talked a little bit about earlier, and we'll get to. I think that, you know, there's just so many ways to give. And uh, the I think when a person is thinking, uh, uh, thinking about how they might want to proceed with that and making decisions, there's some really straightforward ways to do that. And that is simply a cash way. And I, I say that cash is in, you know, you, you call and or online with your credit card, you might do an e-transfer, you might write a check, you might make a donation online. And those are really, really straightforward. You might attend an event, um, and again, you might buy a ticket. But where, where you want to have a conversation before is when it becomes a little bit more complex. Um, and uh, it might be, I want to I want to become a monthly donor. I want to continue to give year-round. I want to find out how I can make that happen. You might say, I want to host an event uh, and encourage others to give. You might say, I want to make a, 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 a gift um, that is a, a really a meaningful gift that I want to pledge over uh, multiple years. So it may be, um, you know, a larger gift that you will make pledge payments over, say, three years in order to, to um, fulfill that, that commitment security transfers. And then here's the, um, uh, some other um, vehicles, life insurance is an option. There's lots of different ways that you can have some tax benefits, enjoy, um, you know, uh, being able to make a, a large gift without having to do that within uh, your lifetime. And that happens that charity benefits after your death. And we could talk a little bit more about that and a gift in your will. Those are important things that um, we encourage people that if you feel like you can't make significant impact in your lifetime, but want to, uh, you know, leave some money to a charity, those are really great options and they're easy to do it. And you can still look after important people in your life. Uh, so you can still leave money to family and, and um, you know, important people in your life and give to a charity and make significant, um, uh, make a significant difference that way. Well, and I think you've identified really the, the two big time frames that we often see people want to do giving. And that's number one in lifetime. And they're usually looking at it as either a one-time gift or a pledge over a period of time. And often they're doing that for either philanthropic reasons and or a tax benefit or various things like that. And then the other time that we see people thinking about charitable giving is in their estate planning. And so we'll often see people say they want to carve out a piece of their estate to go to X, Y, or Z charity. And, and there's so many different ways that can be done. And, and you've you've hit on a few of them. I mean, life insurance can be directed in a certain way. Um, you can give shares and stocks and in certain investments uh, to charities at the time of your death, which creates a, a different category of tax benefit. So there is a lot of different flexibility. And what I think is interesting when you're giving on the back end, when you're planning for that at death, is you do have a bit more flexibility because you haven't given it yet. And so, I mean, people often worry they're going to get locked in and that they've put this in their will. And what if the charity goes belly up or, or what if something happens? And, and I mean, there's, there's ways to ensure that there's at least the cause being looked after. And so um, clients will often hear us talk about, um, we call it a side prey clause or a type of clause that says, if this charity is not available, 
I give my executor the the ability and the power to find a charity that's as similar as possible so that my cause still gets looked after. And then my understanding is at the charity level, um, even if you've just made a gift in your will, it is still possible to go to the charity and say, hey, I'm I'm wanting to make this this gift at death. Is there any way I can direct it in a certain way or or let you guys know that this is what my plan is? Is that still a thing that they can contact you even if it's a gift um, at death? Absolutely. And, you know, you hit on an excellent point, Amanda, is that we do encourage anyone that is wanting to make a substantial gift um, to really talk to a, a trusted financial advisor. And I think, you know, working with your financial advisors and, uh, you know, making decisions that are right for you is very important. And uh, as far as uh, talking to the charity, uh, if you are wanting to include uh, a gift in your will, it is extremely important to talk to the charity and let them know. What we have seen in the past is in some cases, people being really specific about where within that charity they want to direct funds where in some cases that simply doesn't exist within the organization. So for instance, there may be um, within a hospital, uh, I think about RUH Foundation, uh, they may want to direct uh, their gift to a program at RUH Foundation that is not offered. And so we would like to have that conversation with them prior to them including in that will so that we can really fulfill their wishes at, at the appropriate time. You've touched on a very good point that I had meant to raise, so I'm really glad you've raised it, is this idea of sort of conditional gifts in a will. And I think that uh, there's this tendency for clients to say, well, I'd like to give this gift over here, provided that it's used for the following things. And now we've placed a condition on that gift. So if your goal is to really get those funds to the charity, but you've placed a condition on that gift that, that simply can't be met. Now that gift's in jeopardy, which is not your intention. And so having those conversations with your advisory team and also with the charity in advance can make sure that the wording that you're using in your will will actually get the gift where it needs to go. So important. I I couldn't agree more. And I I appreciate you bringing that forward because uh, we do get that on occasion. And uh, we certainly want to fulfill the wishes of of the donor you know, at any point, whether um, it's when they're living or after death, that is our goal. Well, I wonder if in our last few minutes here, if we should segue to um, the topic I, I definitely want us to get into, which is women leading philanthropy, because I've been talking about it, you've been talking about it. I would love to just give our listeners a bit of an overview of the program uh, and and how they can get involved, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I, I guess I'm most excited about this program that, <laughs> um, you know, just a little bit of history, how it, uh, you know, how we ended up with a women leading philanthropy program at RUH Foundation, the, you know, giving programs, giving circles is, is nothing, was nothing new to our foundation. And uh, what we were finding is that uh, there were giving programs, uh, you know, at actually throughout throughout North America. And what we did was we, we sort of took in a bunch of information from those that had successful programs and did a little research, reached out to them, found out what was working, what wasn't, uh, had the staffing in place to launch a three-year pilot. And it was our Women Leading Philanthropy program. 
and that was based on learnings um, of the existing programs that we, we uh, and then we made it our own. But, you know, some of the background information um, that we uh, drew on was the fact that um, charities in, in general want to engage uh, more female donors. And, and you know, the, one of the great sources that we had, and this is a plug for TD Bank, but we used their time, treasure, and talent. And it is a Canadian women and philanthropy uh, motivated uh, us to move forward with that. And uh, it, it really talked about uh, the the role that women play in the charitable sector and uh, it and and also the fact that in by 2026 it is expected that the share of Canadian wealth controlled by women will rise to 48 percent so we know that women are uh, you know decision makers and family uh, and families um, and we also know that with the uh, significant transfer of wealth expected and that is happening right now, women will benefit from that. And simply because of, um, you know, family circumstance, uh, we know that uh, longevity as far as uh, females, living males, we know that these women will have the ability to make decisions and are wanting to make decisions with their charitable giving. And uh, we wanted to create um, a program where they could have control of where their money goes and make that decision. And we find that women are, are looking for that. They don't want to necessarily make a donation and hope that it's going to achieve the goal um, that, uh, you know, or the mission of, of the particular charity or initiative. They want to be part of it and they want to learn and they want to, um, you know, the, this program is, is really investing um, their money. So Women Leading Philanthropy was created and it really is a, a group of women whose donations are pooled to fund innovative healthcare initiatives led by uh, female physicians, practitioner, and researchers at RUH. And it's all supporting um, women's healthcare uh, for themselves and their families. And the goal is really to inspire advancements in healthcare, but also furthering women's leadership and philanthropy and healthcare. And so it's sort of twofold. One, um, the benefits of this tremendous um, you know, research on these programs and these initiatives, but also advancing those that are bringing those forward. We have 130 members that are all giving um, varying ages, uh, varying backgrounds, but all have a common goal. And so um, these women are giving uh, a one-time gift of um, uh, $1,200 per year if you're uh, 40 and over, we also have a, a young philanthropist. If you're under $4,600 per year, you can do it one time, you can do it monthly, whatever fits, uh, you know, the, the way that you'd like to give. The key is that you get a tax receipt for it, but more importantly, you have some unique benefits and it's a great mentorship and networking opportunity. I think the, the women are fabulous and welcoming and um, they all get together and have a voice in allocating that money through um, an annual voting meeting where projects are pitched by uh, three different uh, physicians, 
practitioners or researchers. They are all vying for a $100,000 grant per year. And these women in September every year pool their, pool their money and vote on which one they want to support. There's one project supported annually. And uh, we also have uh, impact uh, meetings that people will hear back. And I think that's the key about this program is that these women are investing their money and they're getting real impact and they're getting report back and they know how their money is, you know, really creating change. And it's just an exciting uh, program. And we're, we're so happy to have you as part of it. Well, I mean, it gives me all the feels. I refer to it often as like Dragon's Den because we get to go and, and we get these projects pitched to us. And it is the hardest thing in the world to sit there and listen to those three projects and pick one. Um, I know that there's been some success in past years where the other um, applicants have actually managed to get funding elsewhere because of the work that they have had to do to pitch to our group, which is wonderful um, because these are really amazing projects. And what I love about them is it's highlighting the health needs of women in our community because so often these projects are, are not geared towards the needs of women. And so not only um, you know do I see this benefit, but I, I know that at some point, it's going to touch me or my mom or my sister-in-law or my friend who is going to be going through the hospital system. And because of this program, their life will be better. And that is such a cool thing. And so what I love about the program is I actually get to learn about these projects. So when you talk about people pitching, I mean, if, if you're listening to this podcast, this is a serious pitch meeting. There is a video that is done by each of these um, individual researchers. It is a very professional video that explains the medical issue in easy to understand language and explains where the gap is in the system. And I have learned about gaps in the system that I did not even know existed. And then tell us how this research might be able to fix that gap and where it can go from there. Um, so you learn so much. You learn something about very varied topics from cancer research to assisting uh, women uh, with high-risk pregnancies to um, heart attack victims and to uh, triaging and trauma, uh, all of these things that we wouldn't otherwise have known about. And then the actual female physicians are there and they are they are giving a pitch in, in person and, and you can really see their their passion for their project and they answer questions. So if you have questions, there's this expert right there who's prepared to answer them. It is just such a phenomenal program. And you talk about the impact meetings. I think those are some of the things I enjoy the most because not only do we vote in September, but then we go back to these meetings um, other times in the year and we get updates. So we see what's happened with the project, you know, what are the highs, what are the lows, what is the plan for the next quarter, the amount of work these female physicians put in to get these projects off the ground is phenomenal. And so we can see all the history and I believe these videos are available on YouTube. Are they, Lisa? Yes, they are. Yes, so they maybe are. I'll try to link to the ones that came out of September's meeting, just so people can get a bit of an idea of some of the projects that are being pitched. These are serious projects. And so to get to come together and make a decision like that and learn a little bit about our healthcare is so unique. And I know that we all have so many events we have to go to and we get event fatigue. Um, I have that happen too, where it's like another gala, another thing. I never feel that way about women leading philanthropy. I am so excited to get there because there is an agenda 
and we start on time and we end on time and we know exactly what's going to happen. And there is such respect for us and for why we're there. And the women are so welcoming. And as you said, it's all age groups, all different backgrounds. I have met so many wonderful people. We have lots of laughs. There's always good food, a good conversation. So it's just a really, a really amazing opportunity to learn about your own health and to be part of change right here in our province. And I think it's easy. And uh, thank you for, um, you know, really describing the, the program from a member's perspective and um, as an organization that's providing it that it sounds like we are achieving <laughs> uh, all of those goals and thank you for that and you know the other thing I'd like to mention uh, in addition to that is that anyone is welcome to join at any time of the year so even if we have our voting meeting in September what you're going to learn after that so if you want to join in October or November you can get on board right away to learn about what the project is doing um, and, and be part of those impact reports. There's education meetings, all of those things that help us learn more about healthcare. And then you'll be ready uh, in September to, to cast your vote. <laughs> well, I encourage anyone who's listening to this that that has been curious about this project to go check it out because uh, it's certainly it certainly changed my life and the way that I look at charitable giving. Um, and it's been a wonderful addition to what I'm doing in my day to day. So I, I highly recommend it. And Lisa, I really appreciate your time today. It was such a wonderful chat. Well, thank you. I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk about something I'm so passionate about. So thank you. Well, that is all we have time for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you laugh. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we reference throughout the episode and to find out more about my amazing guest today. And if you'd like to learn more about any of the topics that we covered on today's podcast or about other topics relating to tax in general, I do invite you to sign up for my monthly newsletter, Musings of a Tax Chick. And follow me on Instagram. My handle is at tax.chick. If you enjoy this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and also click subscribe so you make sure you never miss a new episode. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.